Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. We're um, continuing our journey through Luke as the apprentices of Jesus, trying to look at what, how Jesus lives his life and what he's doing. And we, um, we're moving on to think, uh, to look at a, a passage where the authority of Jesus comes up. Now, authority is an interesting thing. I don't know if you, um, what your experiences were like at school. I remember one incident in a class in high school where um, we had a new teacher come to teach the class. We weren't really sure what was going on, but there was this new teacher. And uh, he started talking, and partway through, there was a little bit of noise in one corner, whispering between some of the kids. And uh, it carried on, so he told them to stop. Um, but then there was a bit of giggling somewhere else. And um, so gradually, he started um, said, you're going to get punished and things like that. It didn't make any difference. His, his authority just wasn't recognized. It just got wilder and wilder. And I think at the end, actually, he walked out before the end of the class. Now... We were normally very well-behaved kids, right? Of course. <laughs> but there was something about it. He, he did have the authority. He could have got us punished, but he didn't know how to wield the authority. It's, it's an interesting thing. But what we come to now is a new incident. We've been following Jesus where he was baptized by John the Baptist. And then... Whilst he was being baptized, the Holy Spirit came down on him in a bodily form. And uh, from that point, he was moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. At the same time, a voice from God came saying, This is my son, whom I love, and I'm pleased with him. And then Jesus went into the wilderness, and he was tempted by Satan. He was led by the Spirit. He was tempted by Satan. And... Uh, he overcame those four temptations, and then he comes on to start his ministry in the power of the Spirit. And the interesting thing is, two weeks ago, which was the last sermon in this series, if you remember, where he went to Nazareth, the place where he'd grown up, and um, it didn't seem like a great ministry. He stood there gave a very authoritative message that we have some record of. He wasn't received. He was rejected. And uh, But now we come to, Jesus moved from there, from Nazareth, down to the Lake of Galilee. Capernaum was on the shore of the lake. Nazareth was up in the hills. He went down there. And that's where we come to this incident. So let's read if you have your Bibles, you can look in chapter 4, Luke chapter 4 and verse 31. 
to 37. So then Jesus went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee. And on the Sabbath, he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to one another, What words these are? With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits, and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. So it's, it's rather revoil, revealing to look at, to compare the way in which he was received initially in Nazareth, Nazareth sorry, and in Capernaum. Nazareth, this is what it says. After Jesus gave his sermon, he said, All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they said? That was the response there. Capernaum, they were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. So in Nazareth, they were amazed because one of their own boys, that he was one of theirs, and... Uh, he was such a great teacher, even though he was a son of a local carpenter. So they were amazed, but they didn't hear the authority that Jesus had. So they were unable to really accept what he was doing. And uh, they just didn't see the authority. In Capernaum, they accepted the authority, and they went on to see a whole bunch of miracles happening to see here not just the words of Jesus but to see his power. Nazareth, that didn't happen. They didn't get to see any of that. They just had the teaching. So that's what was happening here. So just they accepted his authority in teaching. And it wasn't just some nice sermon to listen to before Sabbath lunch. You know, they could go back to and talk about. Instead, they heard the Holy Spirit. And they responded, what a difference. Jesus spoke with the same authority in the same places. The one place they were unmoved. In the other place, they were moved almost to catastrophe. And taking Jesus, it almost ended up with Jesus being thrown off a hill. And another thing to notice besides the fact that they heard the authority and accepted the authority, is that it was a, a group response, right? In both places, it was all the people in Nazareth, a mob got together that was going to throw Jesus off the hill. In uh, Capernaum, again, the people heard, and they heard as a group, and they accepted the authority. They heard the authority there. <coughs> but... There was one exception, right, to accepting this authority or um, at least to having this um, 
to being amazed and awed at Jesus. And that was this man that we're introduced to, who's described as um, a man possessed by a demon, an impure or unclean spirit. So what is this? Why unclean? I mean, did it describe a man who was physically unclean? It's possible. Or did it refer to a man who wasn't holy, who was opposed to holiness, who was evil? That is also very possible, maybe probable. You know, if we look at this, this is the first instance of Jesus um, coming face to face with a demon here, with this possessed man. It's the first miracle that Mark has, that uh, Luke has in his gospel. If we go and look through the rest of the Bible, we find that there are numerous examples of demon possession, but nearly all of them are in the Gospels. There are just two incidents in the Old Testament where something similar is going on, um, where it looks like it's an evil spirit influencing people. If you go beyond the Gospels and if you look at the... The rest of the New Testament, there are only two other occasions in the New Testament where demon possession occurs. Those are both in the book of Acts. The rest are all in the Gospels. In the Gospels, it happens numerous times. um, And let's look at what happens here, what's going on here. If we look at this incident and see what it says about the demon. First, the demon disturbs Jesus' teaching. He yells out, go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Um, Second, he speaks for a group. He says, have you come to destroy us? And the second thing, um, the third thing, because that us is obviously not everyone in the synagogue, right? It's something else. It's uh, a group of demons or something. And third, he feels threatened by Jesus. Have you come to destroy us? And so he recognized the power which is in Jesus. He also recognized the authority. And he knows who Jesus is. The Holy One of God. And that's in real contrast to the way everyone else is responding to Jesus. Right? The disciples, they accept him as maybe the Messiah, but it's a very muted acceptance. Maybe he is. They say, come and see, we think he's the Messiah. Until Peter says out loud, yes, you are the Son of God. But at this period, most of the time with the disciples, even the disciples weren't quite sure. The people who weren't quite sure, but this demon... He knew he was the son of God. The holy one of God is what he said. And maybe that's significant. He's an unclean spirit. The holy one of God is dangerous to the uncleanness. So what's going on here is um, it's not just someone with a mental disorder. Someone with a mental disorder wouldn't know who Jesus was. We see a supernatural knowledge of perception. 
We see a man who's controlled. Um, we see a spirit who isn't alone. He's aware as a group of them. And stirred up by the presence of the Holy One of God, acting in the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so Jesus rebukes the demon. And uh, why did he rebuke him? It seems we'll come on to other examples of rebuke later. He rebukes the demon, perhaps for interrupting the worship, perhaps for possessing this man. He tells him to be silent. He's silent. He tells him to leave the man. He leaves the man. The demon obeys. He uh, throws the man to the ground, uh, perhaps out of spite. And... Um, but the man's unharmed. And so Jesus is in total control. The demon is obeying, but his power is all gone. We're told in First John 3.8 that the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. And this is what's, what we've got here is the devil and the the conflict between Jesus and the devil, and this first experience of this happening. And that's the first of the miracles that Luke says, just shows the importance of this. Jesus came, he didn't just, uh, wasn't just a great preacher, he was in a battle, a battle with evil. And although he overcame the temptations in the wilderness, that wasn't the end. Here we have what seems to be Satan once again um, coming to the forefront and attacking. Anyway, what happened then with this healing of the demon is that the people were all amazed again at the authority and the power of which he spoke. And um, the news about him spread through the surrounding area. Yeah. Well, for Jesus, though, the day is only just beginning. So we read further, if we go on verse 38 and 39. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. When they asked Jesus to help her, he bent over her and he rebuked the fever and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. Once again, see the authority. Jesus rebuked the fever. It's a little strange, rebuking a fever. But he did. I don't know whether he saw the fever as an attack on himself and his mission, because this is the house where he's being hosted. Um, or whether it's simply a rebuke for a, a, a disease here. Whatever it is, we see the complete and immediate healing. So, I mean, it's quite surprising what happened because not only was the bacteria or the virus became ineffective, but, you know, when you've had a high fever, you need to rest, you need food and drink, you're tired. Here, she just got up 
and served. It was gone, not just the disease itself, all the effects of the disease were just gone. Jesus' authority was complete. The power of the creator, right? The authority of the creator over the physical world. So it was Sabbath, as we said before, and although the news about Jesus seems as though it was spreading around, um, Jesus was left alone here until evening came. When the Sabbath was ended at sunset, and when Sabbath ended, then the people brought all these other people to see him. They'd heard the word, it had spread. Various kinds of sickness. Let me just read from verse 40 and 41. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laid his hands on each one, healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Messiah. So now we've got a whole host more of healings. Jesus healed all of them, no matter what their sickness. His ability to heal was total. He wasn't selective. Nothing is beyond the power of Jesus and his compassion told to heal them all. And second, we see that many demons in the crowd all recognized Jesus as the Son of God, every one of them. So why didn't Jesus allow them to say, you are the Son of God? Why did he tell them all to be quiet? Probably because if he'd let them speak, it could have started a grassroots movement, right? A rebellion starting who wanted to make Jesus installed as king of Israel. And it was too soon in the ministry of Jesus for this to happen. Maybe that, or maybe you just didn't like, they weren't the best kind of witnesses, right? The evil spirits, so a pretty bad lot for witness. Anyway, there's this phenomenal thing happens where you've got this crowd and everyone who came was healed, no matter what the problem, a disease, being possessed by an evil spirit, everyone healed. So I don't know if you can imagine what it was like as they left that place, you know, all with amazed smiles on their faces. Some of them who'd been healed, just hardly able to believe it, and the others who brought them, just excited, excited to go home and tell everyone else what was going on. What was going on in the disciples, in the disciples' minds? What's going in yours as you think about these things that are going on here? As an apprentice of Jesus, what do you do with this stuff? And the big thing that Jesus seems to be, con- uh, sorry, that Luke seems to be conveying to us as he relates these incidents in the way he does was the authority and power of Jesus, unlike that of any man or woman. And he displayed it again and again through the day. We don't know specifically what Jesus taught on this occasion in this synagogue. Luke skips over that. But the effect on the people, of 
Capernaum, and presumably on the disciples as well, was profound. And uh, how then do we respond? Can we respond the way the people of Capernaum did? Right? Not the amazement, maybe, because, well, there is an amazement when we look at what Jesus does, but, you know, it's hard to keep amazement going on forever. And most of us here have been following Jesus for a long, long time. But we can maintain awe as we keep looking at what Jesus does. As we think and meditate on what's going on in the Gospels, on the different stories. And if we have that awe, that awe is going to help us live in the reality that Jesus has power and authority in all our areas of weakness and sickness. That takes the scare out of sickness. It might not take the pain away every time because this total healing happened because of the presence of Jesus. But the power is there and the the heart of Jesus to help too for healing. So the other appropriate response, it seems to me, as we look at this, besides really trying to hold an awe of Jesus and his abilities before us, his power, is to freely obey our Lord. You know, the demons had no choice but to obey. Each time Jesus said something to them, they obeyed. The sick bodies had no choice but to obey. The disease was taken away in every one of them. We have a choice to believe and obey. The people in Nazareth didn't. The people in Capernaum did. The disciples, as we find out later, all but one of them at least, came to obey Jesus wholeheartedly. So let us respond when he calls us to obey. How how do you regard Jesus? Um, You know, Like we might regard him with awe, that's what I've suggested. We might regard him with fear, as a fear of a very powerful man. We might regard him with love. Um, We might not be sure yet what we think of him. Still trying to figure it out. Sometimes we speak of Jesus as our friend. And, you know, I have some trouble with that concept. It's true that Jesus has said to the disciples, I've called you friends. But that was in the context of accepting his authority. That's in John 15. What he said there is, you are my friends if you do what I command you. So friendship is usually between peers, 
right? Our best friends are people who are similar to us in, um, have similar interests, similar desires, are about the same, well-off in about the same kind of way, whether poor or well-off or whatever, usually. Similar education, usually. That's what makes good friendship. And uh, although Jesus is someone that we can depend on, like a true friend, at the same time, it's someone that we obey. It's an asymmetric relationship. So maybe there's an aspect of friendship, but the thing is, yeah, do we obey? Are we accepting the authority of Jesus in our life? Are we on track? Meditate on the Gospels. Put yourself into the stories because that's where we see who Jesus is. And as we see him, see him at work there, that can help us respond in the way we should as his disciples. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we ask you to just... um, Open not our, just our eyes to who you are, to who Jesus is. Open up our hearts as well. And uh, so that we do fully accept your authority, not just in an intellectual way, but just going out each day knowing, Lord Jesus, I'm yours. Lord Jesus, I will do as you say. I will live for you today. Amen. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.